I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. All right, the Broncos uh, have completed the second and third rounds of the 2019 NFL Draft. And uh, according to Ian, uh, when we uh, were preparing to record the you know, everything here, he has he said, and I, I quote him: "Elway is killing it verbatim." That is what Ian said. So, Ian, why don't you elaborate on that? According to a lot of people's boards, who are are draft people and way more into the draft than I am. They have the Broncos with four players who are ranked in the top 50. That is, by definition, killing it. That is a team that, for the second year in a row, has had back-to-back very strong drafts. When you're able to get that kind of value with your four picks in the first three rounds, that's killing it. And I think... What's obvious at this point is that Elway has found a niche in getting players who were team captains, were leaders, were people who set the tone for their college programs, who take that mindset, take that work ethic, take that belief in themselves, and transfer it over to the NFL. Yeah, I, I I can't argue with that. If if you're looking at a and just based on numbers, I think that's really the interesting part. That with with 32 teams in the league, uh, after three rounds, that's 90 uh, 96 picks, which means each team should get uh, you know maybe you know one or you know one or two players. You each 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 gets a player in the top hundred, I suppose, if you do the averages or whatever. And Elway's walking away with four in the top 50. Uh, I mean. You cannot argue with that. And obviously we don't have the benefit of hindsight at this point. Like we, we can't look back on this draft um, and say, oh, this is how they ended up performing in the NFL, but projecting things forward. Um, I think that I think that, that ends up being a, a pretty fair statement that the way that these players are projected to pan out is 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 a good thing. I, I'm not 100% sold on, on some of this draft. Uh, like like other people are, but that's probably because of my own uh, personal bias towards another player in a future draft, and so I'll try not to get <coughs> Trevor Lawrence. Tre- Trevor Lawrence, yes, I'll try not to get too um, too far into that. Let's start. Let's start with the hometown kid. Let's start with with Reisner uh, out of uh, Kansas State, who is he's a Wiggins kid, right? He's from Wiggins and. 
That's a Weld County kid. That's, that's a he's he's from Weld County. I mean, I played baseball games in Wiggins. You drove through it once. It's a very small, very small community in Wiggins, and actually, that's kind of cool. And uh, we we talk about this all the time. Scotty will kill us for being excited that a hometown kid, you know, got drafted by his favorite team, and how none of that is actually important. And he's right to a certain point. I don't care where you're from as long as you play well and you're you know you're a good person and you're and you're a solid player and you contribute to the team and and you help the Broncos become a winner. But if you are from Colorado, that makes it that much better. And that's what we loved about the Philip Lindsay story last year. And I would like to think that that's what we will love about the Dalton Reisner story uh, this year. And I'm pronouncing it Reisner because that's what it's supposed to be. But what makes it even better is not just that they're Broncos fans, that they're from Colorado, that they grew up rooting for the Broncos. It's the fact that they're great players. Philip Lindsay is a great player. The story of him being a Broncos fan and growing up rooting for Terrell Davis and thus wearing the number 30 isn't as great if he is not as good on the field as he is. And the thing that makes Dalton Reisner such a great pick and why everyone likes it so much isn't just that he's a a Broncos fan. It's that he has the potential to be a very, very good offensive lineman. He has everything that Mike Munchak wants in an offensive lineman, which is nastiness, which is versatility, which is ability, which is leadership, which is aptitude to get better and want to get better. That's what makes the pick so exciting. But then on top of all of that, you add in the type of guy Dalton Reisner is off the field. If you haven't seen that video of what he does with people in the Manhattan, Kansas community, it's incredible. It will make you like Dalton Reisner even more. If you, if you like him, you'll like him even more. If you didn't like him, you will like him. He's just – he's – he, he is a Bronco through and through, and he is what I call a Pat Bowen Bronco because he embodies everything that Pat Bowen wanted in his organization. Be great on the field, but be even better off of it. Yeah, I, I think it's a fantastic uh, pick. I, the, it makes the fans happy, which is, which is always good, and I think it makes the team better. I, I think that's the, the most important part of it is that it does make that team better. It makes the offensive line better. It, it increases the talent. And, and like you said with Mike Munchak, uh, being there and teaching and, and helping him to grow and become a better offensive lineman, uh, I, I see big things for him. And, and I like to think that this will be something that happens for him with his, with his team. I mean, that's such a cool story. I love it when guys get to play for the team that they grew up rooting for. And, you know... I dreamed of playing, you know, playing for the Yankees and and never got the opportunity, but I and and I would have played for any other team if I'd been drafted just like everybody would have, but that would have been the dream, right? And the same thing with the Broncos and and I think that that's a good thing and that sort of doubles up that storyline too because now his job is going to be blocking for Philip Lindsay when Philip Lindsay's running the football too. So there's sort of that hometown connection that's that's really interesting I, I just I'm I'm really happy with that and and then and then I was made sort of sad a little a little sadness in my heart because the Broncos did 
They, they did probably what they should have done. That doesn't make it okay. Let me just say right now that doesn't make it okay. But they did do what they probably should have done, and they they made a trade, and they, they traded up, and they got Drew Locke, who they have been watching, uh, in, I mean, almost sort of stockingly watching for an entire season, right? How many how many games did John Elway and, and company go see for with Drew Locke? I, I mean, it was Pretty starting. Pretty much all of them. I thought he was going to take out a restraining order. I thought he lived in Columbia, Missouri. He's got a summer home there. It's a, it's a second home. You go. He, he got confused with, he thought it was Columbia. He, <laughs> he thought it was he thought it was Columbia. It's not. It's not the actual. I flopped Columbia. it out there. You did. I. I. That was bad. That was a bad geography joke. That's what that was. That was a bad dad geography joke. Yeah, you're not even a dad. Let those leave those to me. Leave those to the professional. But let me just say the reason I don't like this draft pick is because I have fallen in line. I'm enamored with Trevor Lawrence and his skill set and what I think he's going to be in the NFL. And and I would r- much rather see him um, in a Broncos jersey than any other jersey. And picking Drew Locke just means they're, they're not even thinking about it. It's not even a consideration, even though that's probably the right move. What I said in my instant reactions, and it, it really wasn't that instant because, well, you know, life happens. But what I said is that it's clear that the Broncos finally have a plan at quarterback now. They have the quarterback right now in Joe Flacco, who, as we've been saying for months, the expectation is the Broncos not only compete in the AFC West, but they compete in the AFC. And as I said on the podcast last night, and as I said in my column last night on Thursday night, the Broncos are all in on Joe Flacco. That is still the case. That gets even more backed up by the fact that they drafted Dalton Reisner. What the, the selection of Drew Locke does is it takes away the Band-Aid or the stopgap quarterback for the Broncos. No longer is that going to be a term we hear from Broncos fans now that they have drafted Drew Locke. And the biggest difference between Drew Locke and Paxton Lynch is Paxton Lynch came in as the quarterback right now. He was going to compete with Trevor Simeon to be the starter. We and Mark Sanchez. <laughs> Don't forget Mark Sanchez was the veteran quarterback on that particular roster for like a couple weeks. Exactly. Now, there really isn't an expectation of Drew Locke. He can sit and he can learn from Joe Flacco. He can work with Rich Scangarello, learn the offense, learn how the NFL works. And I know that people are going to be hesitant about the the whole quarterback controversy, given what we just went through with Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch. But John Elway shot that stuff down after the pick, saying he still has a lot to learn. Joe Flacco is our starter. He is our quarterback. What that does is it takes the pressure off of Joe Flacco. It takes the pressure off of Drew Locke. It takes the pressure off of Rich Scangarello. It now you there is a quarterback plan out. 
you now see a plan developing for what the Broncos will do at quarterback. Yeah, it's a, it is a, a it's an intelligent move because it means that you can lean on Joe Flacco for a few years. Uh, his his contract is also um, it's team friendly, which also helps, and and they can they can build up Drew Locke as the you know as you know as the years go on, and you can sort of squeeze as much juice out of Joe Flacco as possible before you have to turn to Drew Locke, um, and and so it is it's it's the right move. The one thing I worry about, and and maybe the 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 interesting point of this is. We don't have to worry about this. Is when they drafted Brock Osweiler, the idea was he was the heir apparent to Peyton Manning, and that clearly didn't work out. And Brock Osweiler's career didn't pan out. But I would actually argue, in looking at this, the coaching staff that's been put in place for this team is much more prepared for building up a player like a Drew Locke over the next couple of seasons or three seasons, and then eventually getting him to the point where he can take over for Joe Flacco. Whereas in a Peyton Manning led offense, Brock Osweiler was just filler, right? I mean, we, we all remember him getting ready to go out and, and take snaps in that one game. And he just didn't have his helmet on and whoop, there goes Peyton Manning to, to take his spot. Couldn't even wait two seconds for him. So I think that this is probably the right move because they will have that time and they have a system in place to teach Drew Locke how to be an NFL quarterback. I think talent-wise, he's probably also a little bit better than what Brock Osweiler was. I know when Osweiler was drafted, he wasn't considered uh, a player that would go in the top you know, 10 to 15 picks, while you know, Drew Locke was, was somebody who could have gone, he could have gone as, as high as six to the Giants if they were paying attention. <laughs> But they, I think they just put the wrong name in. But that's that's yesterday's news. So it's it's a good move. It's a good move because um, they don't end up taking what I would call one of those third or fourth round or fifth round quarterbacks. That's just a project that really isn't necessary. It's just taking up space and bringing in a camp arm, and then you're wasting a pick on talent that you're never going to use. You're actually getting a guy that was. By all, for all intents and purposes, a first-round talent, and you're getting him in the second round. I think it's a great move. I've t- I, I just that, talked myself into it, and I don't like it. And you saying that the coaching staff is the reason I think Drew Locke is a better pick than Brock Osweiler because of the coaching staff. You have a guy now in Rich Scangarello who is going to be able to develop and work with and help Drew Locke get the most out of him. And that's what's exciting. You now have an offensive coordinator who has worked in Kyle Shanahan's offense, which is a hybrid of the Mike Shanahan offense, which is a hybrid of the Bill Walsh offense. It's That's what makes it exciting because there really isn't going to be that that quarterback controversy anymore there there's not going to be that hmm, that need for yeah. fans to get behind a quarterback and you're not going to have the fans pitted against each other right the the factioning of fans i i get exactly what you're saying there where i'm team trevor or i'm team paxton or i'm team case and or i'm team 
uh, uh, Kelly. Don't be Team Kelly, by the way. You end up getting beat up with a, a vacuum hose and chased out of somebody else's house. So don't do that. I mean, that's not to say that there aren't going to be radio stations in Denver who try to do it. Well, the but controversy be less, would be nice, it's but yeah, be less successful because I did. Joe Flacco is the quarterback. They are all in on Joe Flacco. And I'm interested to see what Joe Flacco can do because boy, before he got hurt in 2018, he was playing really well. So now you add an, an offense with the weapons that the Broncos have with Philip Lindsay and Emmanuel Sanders, Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick, even Royce Freeman, if he's healthy. Now you add in Noah Fant, who I, I think the, the better comparison, especially in this offense, I mentioned Jimmy Graham. I think the better comparison is Shannon Sharp. He's too big for defensive backs. He's too fast for linebackers. And the offense is similar to what Shannon Sharp worked in with Mike Shanahan. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a really good comparison, at least as far as uh, skill set and, and what they what he brings physically to the table, and then also the system that that he'll be playing under. Uh, and then then and then a little further down in the third round, you get a a, a player in Draymond Jones out of Ohio State University, who's gonna. Um, compete for a job on the off on the offense on the defensive line we were talking a lot about offense there um i i'm not i don't i don't have an opinion on draymond jones i feel bad about that but i would assume if he's a if he's one of those top 50 players and that's one of those guys that elway's walking away with from this draft i'm okay with it like i I think this is a pretty good pick this is what christopher said about draymond jones he was the number 45 ranked player, according to Hart. That mm-hmm. was where he had him ranked. He says, uh, Draymond Jones is an explosive penetrator with a great get-off, very disruptive. He had 13 tackles for loss and a half sacks last year for the Buckeyes. And he adds that it's a great pick. So what that, what Draymond Jones does is adds depth to the defensive line, needed depth, and a guy who was a top 50 player and he's, I mean, very athletic guy. And you, I think the thing that needs to be mentioned here is that Fangio is going to run a lot of defense from the nickel. There's going to be some nickel defense played. I don't think there we're, I don't think we're going to see a traditional three, four or four, three with Vic Fangio, which allows for an athletic guy like Draymond Jones to be a disruptor from the defensive line, like they're hoping he will be. Right. And as one of the commenters just said on Twitch, a comparison, and I and I thought of this when I was watching some of his highlights, is Malik Jackson, and I totally agree with that. Which I think is something that fans will like, right? That's a that's a player who fans. Fans wanted to have Elway bring back, and I'm not going to rehash that old argument of, well, did Elway do the right thing in, in letting this player go or that player go? Because that's kind of the thing that's come up with Chris Harris Jr. demanding a trade or, or a contract extension. Um, but just just the idea of a player like Malik Jackson back on that on that defensive line, um, 
you know, with Derek Wolf, with Shelby Harris, uh, you know, the, the, the push they're going to get up front. Imagine the push up front, and then you have Chubb and Miller on, on either side. Uh, the defensive line is scary, right? The, the up front for the Denver Broncos, I think teams are going to be concerned about the, the, the ability of their quarterback to get the ball out in time just with the amount of push they're going to get up front. And I, I think that's huge. And then I, I also think a big part of that will be in coverage. And I'm going to switch gears a little bit here because now that we've gotten through the third round of the NFL draft, there are starting to to be some reports. And so we went we went live. What was it? Uh, right before the draft with Hart and and Joe, and uh, it was right as the Chris Harris Jr. news broke about him wanting either a trade or an extension, and he you know he was sort of making his demands, and then. It was well. He's going to get traded. That's kind of that was kind of what we talked about yesterday. Chris Harris Jr. is out the door. He's he's already on his next team. He's saying goodbye to everybody. And now there's reports that maybe a trade isn't going to happen. Um, I saw Ryan Edwards from uh, Orange and Blue 760, first and ten at ten, uh, tweeted friend out of the podcast friend friend of the podcast absolutely tweeted out that uh, the teams that were showing interest in Chris Harris Jr were drafting cornerbacks and it looked like the Broncos were sort of you know shying away from some of those uh, from some of those discussions maybe a deal gets worked out maybe maybe Elway does exactly what he said he was going to do which is after the draft he'll sit down and talk to Chris Harris Jr and address everything that sounds to me like what John Elway wants to do anyway and, and then we'll go from there. So I, I actually would not be surprised if Chris Harris Jr. is still a Bronco by the end of this draft. And I, I, I agree. I think that's what all Broncos country wants. I think that's what Denver wants. That's what Chris Harris Jr. wants. And I, I, I think that's just that's the natural way for it to go. And especially now that some of the teams who were in or rumored to be in on Chris Harris Jr. Now have that they've taken cornerbacks. It limits that that value that the the Broncos are going to be able to get back because I don't think they were going to get anything. I don't. They weren't going to take anything less than a second round pick. And now that that that's passed, just re up Chris Harris Jr. As we've talked about on prior podcasts, do a two year deal two years fully guaranteed and then add team options for third or fourth year, especially since he's getting up into that precarious he's old age for cornerbacks, but do two years fully guarantee the two years and then do team options. I think that's something that he would agree with. I think that's something that the Broncos would work with, especially if it gives them the team option, but you're also rewarding him for what he's brought to this organization, but also to the community by guaranteeing him two years, get him that average year of in between 13 and 15 million for those two years. Do that. And then you have the team options where you're in control of what happens, but it makes everybody happy. It makes the fans happy. You don't have to worry about getting a replacement for Chris Harris Jr. Even though they kind of did that already with Bryce Callahan you're not going to be where you're playing a young player and forcing a young player to be in that situation 
when you have someone like Chris Harris Jr., who, if not the best cornerback in the NFL, is one of the best and has been consistently basically since he came into the league. So just just make everybody happy, get it done, whether it happens on the last day of the draft on Saturday or it happens next week after the draft, just get it done and make everybody happy. Yeah, I, I and I do think that it's, it's something that, uh, you know, John Elway said, I will address that when I'm, you know, when the draft is over and then people kept pushing. And I, I think it was a, I think what we saw there, interestingly enough, was a, a ploy on Chris Harris's part. You know, I think Harris was trying to push the issue a little bit and maybe force Elway's hand into um, either, you know, giving him, give, give me my extension or, or trade me as sort of like, I'm going to force you into doing something. And Elway, Elway played it pretty cool there. He said, you know what? I'm not going to do anything until after the draft. That's what I said I was going to do. That's what I'm going to do. And I I respect that. Um, I, I don't think, I, just like you said, I don't think any fan out there wants to see Chris Harris Jr. leave. I think we were all prepared for it. I think we all understood why it was something that, that could happen and, and might need to happen. Or if it did happen, there were reasons why we would be okay with it. Like you, you start to you start to go through the the process of saying, okay, well, if the Broncos can you know negotiate this trade and get th- maybe get this guy or or you know get this round draft pick or whatever it may be, uh, you you sort of prepare yourself for that bummer of a of an announcement that Chris Harris Jr. has been traded, and now and this is maybe the scary part now with some of the reports, it's like, oh, maybe he's not going to be traded. Whew, we can sort of you know, we're okay now. And then the next thing you know, he gets traded. That would be a, a bit of a bummer. But I, I like to see reports that it, that he's possibly going to be staying, likely going to be staying. That would be uh, something that would make me happy as well. And and I, we all want him to finish his career as a Denver Bronco, uh, retiring in, in the orange and blue, going up into the ring of fame when it's time, and, and eventually being a, a member of the Hall of Fame. Well, I won't go that far. Well, I will. I don't care. Whatever. There. By the time by the time I'm done with it, there's going to be thousands of players in the Hall of Fame that are that are former Broncos. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I mean, if I get to dream, if I can't dream about Trevor Lawrence, I got to dream about something. But you know how that story ends, though. Yeah, with me angry yelling at somebody on the podcast about how my guy isn't in the Hall of Fame. I mean, if Randy Gratishar and Louis Wright and Tom Jackson and Rich Jackson and Carl Mecklenburg and Steve Atwater and Dennis Smith and Tom Nalen and Rod Smith, if those guys can't get into the Hall of Fame, Chris Harris Jr. ain't getting in the Hall of Fame. Gosh, I mean, I was trying to, I was trying to have like a uplifting moment of, of, of feel good. Like the, the Broncos are drafting well, and it looks like they're going to keep Chris Harris jr. And then you just, just, you just, you just took that little hall of fame thing and you just squashed all of it. And you're like, no. So, um, I, I really don't, uh, I really don't know where else we go from here. 
the Raiders continue to be the Raiders. I, impressive. It really is. Can we just say how impressive that is? It started from their very first pick and has just continued to be hilarity from 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 the word go. They they've just been the Raiders. And they continued it on day two. Yeah. And I mean, that that's what's surprising is that, it, it, as I told my wife, after their their third round pick, it was, either, it was either their second or third round pick. I don't remember which one. But it's almost as if Mike Mayock is trying to prove like, hey, I watch tape on guys that no one has heard of. And I'm going to draft them because I want to prove how good I am. Or, or is it a case of they didn't realize that they were in the first round, and so they were drafting for the second or third round, and then they didn't realize they were in the – they're just like – they're a few rounds ahead of everybody else. Maybe that's the problem. They're not really paying attention, so they're a couple of rounds ahead of everyone else. That's a possibility. I would not put that past them. So now it's not the Al Davis of picking nothing but fast players. It's not knowing when they're picking. Yeah, they just have no idea when they're what. What time is it? Uh, pick uh, this guy, and they just grab a name off their board, and they don't even look. They just they're just playing with blindfolds on. I don't know. Um, I I don't know anything else. We we still got what three, five, four more rounds. Four, five, six, seven. Any uh, any targets that you see? Um, the Bronco that the Broncos might be going after in the in the last half of this draft. I would think at some point they're going to try to get inside linebacker, even if it's just for depth and for potentially special teams. I think cornerback depth, because we, I mean, it's one of those positions where you you can't have enough edge. I think is another position that they'll look to add depth maybe receiver. So I, I think that's probably what they'll do. I, I And I think what you'll see from them is what they what they did a year ago on day three, and that's good. As we mentioned earlier in the podcast, team captains, team leaders, guys who set the tone for the programs when they were in college. That's going to continue to be the team on day three. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.